scratch. You can hear it. Ah, I've been doing this for God knows how long, and I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't. Don't, if I it's I... not got a protector on, you're not meant to scratch it. But it's it's fine if it's got a little. Uh, thing. I've been told off for doing that. Oh man, I'll tell you what. Mm. I've been cracking on with this JD and honey, and tasty. It's a bit lucrative. I don't know. I well, had a been... drink. I had a beer last time, but I don't have any left. So. Well, oh, I just had to have no. coffee instead. I'm probably gonna. I probably actually only got about half an hour of this coffee left in me before I'm just gonna fall asleep on the floor. So nice. I don't know if we want to get stuck <laughs> in. The second crack. half of the podcast, I suddenly start talking a lot more quietly. I'm just like, yeah. Right. Flesh and blood what, are you, is great. What, what are you drinking, Simon? So I have a Brewdog collaboration. I think with Cloudwater, uh, modern, ah, modern right. citizen. It's called, and they're. Uh, it's a very tasty hazy IPA, about six percent. Like it, bloody hell! Oh, that is a, that's hazy yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It looks it, that looks like dishwater. Hazy that's boy. A very strange color. Hey, it's in the but, cloud water. Is that the one in London? I think so. Or is that? Oh, am I thinking of drop cloud drop? Anyway, something. Anyway, uh, I do Let's brew go. my I do brew my own beer, and that came out really well this time. So uh, I'll have, oh, I nice. might send you some. No, it's too far. Oh. We uh, could have uh, a we could have a beer drinking on the podcast. I'd love that. That would be a laugh. Beer right? tasting. Well, I mean, we're That's, technically yeah. doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going for the whiskey. Uh, I left that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, hello, everyone. Order a drink. Sorry. Hello, oh, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the very first episode of uh, Push the Point. We've come up with a name. It's Push the Point. And uh, we've got Simon. Hey, everyone. And we've got Dan. Hello, everyone. And uh, today, we're, this is our very first episode, and, uh, and we're basically just going to try and hopefully give as much as we can to the uk community in a variety of different ways and because i'll just ramble on and ramble on and i generally don't have scripts and plans like these two beautiful people do and i just make things up on the spot simon what have we got in store today i hope you've actually written something down (laughs) so today we're going to open with some talk about you some of you might have heard on the grapevine that there have been some spoilers for monarch no um, so we might just look at some of those before we crack on with anything else. And in our in, in our very first episode, we have a community member interview, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, someone who calls themselves primarily a collector over a player, and we'll get more into that later. And then we're going to ask some big questions. We're going to look at whether first edition is good for the game. Whether these cold <gasps> foils that we all desire are good for the game of flesh and blood it's good for the wallet <laughs> good for the wallet well, not if you don't sell them well... no that's true that's true anyway not if you buy them and if hamish not starts all. talking too much dan or i are gonna have to push the point yeah <laughs> that's why we called it push the point just stop me talking it's nothing to do <laughs> with it's nothing to do with ira dex promise <laughs> oh dear anyway spoilers Jesus Christ. What a whirlwind. Yeah, literally. Literally Jesus. Um, <laughs> what, the devil. I wouldn't be... I, it would shock... I would, something about it makes me think if Jesus Christ become a class, it would be like, yeah, all right. I'll take anything. I didn't see this... I didn't see Shadow Brute come in. So I'll start... Maybe Jesus no. Christ. I'll start with that because I maybe hoped, maybe thought, maybe assumed that 
monarch would have four new classes mm-hmm. and we've seen something called talents introduced the first of which are shadow and light but we haven't seen a new class yet we have a shadow brute which was to me was completely out of the blue i don't know how you guys felt yeah it, it wasn't the class i was expecting from monarch at all because i was just assuming it was going to be like you said so four new classes or maybe uh like maybe a guardian and a uh like a warrior maybe and, and two new classes on mm. top of that i wasn't really expecting uh brute at all uh but i mean it's 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 an interesting one hamish you play brute a lot so what were your thoughts on seeing that new hero i right to put a bit of context right set the scene make the stage i had my second covid jab right the following day i heard the rumors that the second covid jab makes you feel like crap right and it's true so i my i was not emotionally ready for anything and i was trying to put my little baby girl to sleep at two in the morning and then i just jumped on the discord while i'm trying to put her to sleep and saw shadow brute and my whole body just got more ill because I just really didn't understand what the hell was going on because I was in Simon's boat. Where are my four new classes? I want to, I want, I bought all this stuff so I can jump into a new class and I can invest just like I did in Arcane Rise and just like I did in Welcome to Wraith. And now I've got a Shadow Brute. I'm not ready. So I was just, it, it threw everything up in the air. And I was, I was anxious. I was, I was anxious. I'm not going to lie. I was a bit anxious about that. I was I was excited to see it. I was I was intrigued to know what was going on. But it wasn't what I was thinking. It was almost like Ned Stark got his head chopped off, right? And you're like, "No, no, hang on. Hang on, Sean Bean. Sean Bean is I, I want to see Sean Bean for more seasons. He's a brilliant actor. I love what I'm seeing. Why is he dead now? Why is this why is this dead now? I'm waiting for episode ten to give me some closure now. I'm waiting yeah. for more things to give me some closure on what I'm just what I just saw, right? And it might sound like I'm being really uh passionate and um a bit over dramatic, which is uh, comes past and par- comes part and parcel with my nature, unfortunately. Um but yeah, I was just not I wasn't seeing it. I... Yeah, I felt the same. I, I I was really excited for a new class. I really was looking forward to getting a cleric, which I was like, I really want to try a new class, especially for classic constructed, where I've just not picked up a hero that I've just become super attached to. So I was like, I'm going to pick a new class from Monarch. I'm just going to play that class in classic constructed for good or bad. I'm just going to learn it. And now I'm a bit like, oh, what if the cleric is not a cleric and is going to be this sort of light wizard class uh, which is what a lot of people have been suggesting and Mm. i don't really like wizard very much and i don't really want to play wizard so i'm a little bit concerned um it's not dampened my hype for the the game and the spoiler season but i'm just like oh am i gonna get that new hero that i actually want to play or am i just gonna end up going back to something like warrior because i it's not new enough that I feel like I want to pick up a new class. Not sure. So I we're not. Oh, I'm, sorry. Go on. No, I just wonder. <clears throat> I think we've we've trusted Legend Story Studios so far with the game, and trusted their direction. And they've talked about this being the set they started the game design with. 
but I don't think they would alienate some of their players by releasing only known classes using card sets that people may not have. So if you've collected Guardian and Warrior from the first set and you haven't got any Arcane Rising uh, heroes, you would be completely alienated if all of these heroes are Shadow or Light versions of current classes. So I don't think they would take that risk yet. I think there will be new classes and I think the talents will uh, give us something in terms of deck building that we haven't seen yet. But I don't but think it's going to be all or nothing. But I think but their main focus and one one of their key tenants that they said that this is going to be the completion of the game and that is actually their complete dedication of making a set mm. work so well in draft in a sealed format. That yeah. is like their big reveal, right? And I think the majority of people set their per their expectations and I think everyone across the across the board set an expectation and a, of of what they what they envisioned what they're they're going to see the game and it was these four new classes it was these you know because arcane rising and welcome to rafe does follow that same mantra of this is a completely workable booster set for drafts and sealed it's its own thing everything contains within this own box within itself it doesn't need the others the generics and the only things that talk to the others you know it works that way and I think that people go, oh, okay, cool. Four more classes will be the same thing. But now it's it weirdly just says, mm, well, this was Shadow Brute. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah shadow Brute's not tone. new. It's Shadow. That's the, new. The, the Shadow has been overshadowed by the Brute. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we'd had a Shadow class, we would have all been hyped, but. Because it links but, back to this existing class, we're not as well, it doesn't feel as new and ex- as exciting. Linking to what and, Hamish has just said, they've also stated categorically that the shadow and light don't retroactively affect any of the current heroes. And that 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 was like for me, I was actually just a bit. Again, like you said, Simon, I trust them. My expectation, though, was. Why am I feeling disappointed about that? Uh, why do I feel disappointed by that decision? Why does it get me right here? Yeah, why does this yeah. hit my heart? It's because I love the game, right? Mm. That's why it hits my heart. But it really did throw me off. I was like, what? <sighs> of course it makes sense because it goes... It's it's not meant to talk to them in that sort of way. It's meant to be a draft sealed complete pa- package for people who are doing draft and sealed for this format. But uh, I don't but, know. But let's take that yeah. point because I anyway. I think there are going to be a lot of people. Let, let's push the, the content of the spoilers to one side. I think there are going to be a lot of people that are excited about the commitment to draft and sealed uh, within the game itself. Because I know Absolutely. I've, I've played some sealed in real life before COVID lockdown hit last year, the second lockdown. And and it was awesome that the... the the matches you have with people, the, the experience level within the game is less um, of an effect on the gameplay. And I just feel it's such an awesome way to introduce people to the game. It's such an awesome way to compete in the game. It, their commitment to that makes me happy. And we yeah. know that LSS is very much wanting to support local game stores. And I, I think we know that 
sealed as a format is a is a format that local game stores quite like because it sells product and you can go to an event and you can come away for some cards if you're a new player so i can see why they've focused on that and we are all coming from the experience of having played blitz um on webcam mm. uh, a constructed format uh, blitz constructed for quite a long period of time so maybe that sort of that's kind of we've been playing that format now i'm not saying that blitz has been stale by any means but you know there are some yeah, was... tier one <laughs> there are some tier one heroes and there was a bit of repetition in the number of heroes that you would come up against and me and simon are partially to, to blame for that playing oh i like that heroes. yeah you, you guys um, actually brought the boring to the party yeah. but what i'm <laughs> saying is that perhaps we were like ex- we, we we wanted a bit more excitement in blitz um which we we might we, 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 we honestly this podcast could go out and you know three new heroes probably not three but like three new heroes have been announced oh it will be and, it and all this will be completely rubbish but if, if that's not the case you know it, we've still got sealed and it really does seem like sealed is going to be super interesting in terms of this um shadow versus light um mechanic which seems almost designed for sealed and shadow heroes fighting um light heroes and obviously that's super thematic super interesting so i'm really excited about that and i'm really excited about playing some sealed in the pre-release weekends as well oh it's absolutely what, three weeks away it's going to be phenomenal absolutely it's so it's dated the 14th for us doing this recording by the time we probably get something out it what our opinions and views and all this will probably vastly change going forward but at the same time, I think it's still important to capture the at this point right now how we generally felt when this very first thing came out, and it may be really interesting to sit, come back to this and go, "Oh man, like we will never, we will never know this feeling of how confused we are." Well, what right, have we right got? Now. We've got we've got like five to ten percent of the card pool of the whole set. Yeah, I think. Yeah, this <laughs> three, and, we're, and we're making assumptions. Three hundred more to go. Yeah. Um, however, that doesn't change the fact we've got something that is completely new for this set, and we are now seeing cards that go in your deck that are legendary. Oh. Now, we've seen two Shadow instants released at the legendary rarity. One is a Levia specialization, and one is a Chain specialization. Doomsday and Eclipse. And they both talk about tokens that we haven't seen yet they're not released but a lot of the chatter I think there's another seen. one sorry i think there is also another one sorry to interrupt there's the other uh what oh god i can't pronounce her name levia levia is it levia levia so levia yeah, has a, so this is a, a a classic thing in flesh and blood that comes up occasionally is that we have legendary rarity and we also have legendary as a keyword correct yeah so legendary harvest. means that you can only have one card of it in your deck but there's also the rarity legendary as well so i think soul harvest is legendary keyword rarity rare which is obviously a bit weird yeah but so, we also have doomsday and eclipse which are legendary rarity which mm. which so far has meant that in first edition they should be cold foil cards. So we have mm. a couple of issues that are brought up by this. How do people feel about shuffling cold foil collector cards in their deck, for one? But also, how do we feel about having card powerful cards limited to one per deck within your deck? 
Let's start with the first I think, one. Yeah, I think the first one kind of nicely ties into the second half of this part of where we're, where we're going to go into is I think it really honestly just depends who you are as a player, right? If you want cold foils to sell money, no. <laughs> you're going to put that straight into the, uh, you know, you're going to put two house bricks in between it, cement it all up and crack it open in 30-30 and then hopefully it'll be worth a quid, right? You know, it'll be the most protected thing ever. You're never going to stuff all that into your deck. But most of the, well, I don't want to say most. I actually don't want to say most. For the, all the other people, uh, for examples, my, my brother, Oh my god, he's gonna that, that card's gonna look like a mangled wreck by the time it's done. It's gonna be sleeved as best as it can be. Uh, but it'll be it'll be shuffled. It'll be shuffled to hell. He's gonna riffle it in there. Of course he will. I mean, because some people just go, I don't give a fuck if it's cold foil, I'll just it's the card. And if I'm yeah. lucky enough to have the card in that foil, whatever. So it depends who it depends who it is, really. But and we wouldn't yeah. even be having this conversation if we were in any other card game. It's just flesh and blood where we, no. we've had we've been lucky enough recently, and we can talk about this also being a problem based on a new mechanic, which is yeah. equipment. You know, you can put it in a plastic case and just leave it on the board, and you don't have to shuffle it right. And that's that's just been a mechanic of flesh and blood, and you know that could have easily not been the mechanic, or they well, could have it's been a workaround equipment as as rares or something. And, and when you know it's allowed people to box up their expensive cards and play with them, but it was never something that uh, LSS went out and said we're going to look after your expensive cards by making them <laughs> nice and safe. Like that's just what no. people have done. Yeah, workaround like you said, Simon, well, it, that we've come up with, yeah. and now we're like, how dare you design the game well, like, that I, doesn't allow no, our workaround to work anymore? The, the, <laughs> it's like, um, Wait a no. second. The game rules state that when you are when a piece of equipment is destroyed it goes in the graveyard and i remember back in august october time last year people saying this will matter one day and you will have to put your top loaded cards or or magnetic one-touch case cards in the graveyard and that doesn't work if you're keeping them in these big chunky cases or graded slabs or but it has been a workaround and i I think there will be some people who have something to say about that. When the time comes. Uh, it's compromise, man. Come on, let's let's be real, right? You that you can't have. Of course, there's going to be some people that are going to find this a bit of a problem, right? But they but it's quite minority, isn't it? You know, they basically want to have they want to have the card. They want to keep its value, and they want to play it. You know, it's. It's, it's trying to it's almost like trying to have your cake and eat it and it's not if i'm trying to if i sound like i'm pro insult or or any offense to anyone i'm not right but i think it's come to this point now where value and playability you have to kind of just sit there and make mm. a bit of a choice on this on this you know and i understand that you really want to use the this awesome cold foil version of your card and you don't want to devalue its monetary value from this but at the end of the day, I think it's come to this point now where you've got to make, you've got to put a, a, a point, you know, you've got to make a choice now. Is this card more valuable for you is uh, in clout or in cost, you know? And, and, and Unlimited is only three weeks later, right? I know. Yeah. And some people just go, well, I don't want to use it. I know, but guess what? You know, it's just the way the world is, mate. It's just going to have to make, sometimes life shit. 
I wish I can just drive around with no MOT. But you got to get an MOT. you got to follow the rules. It's not fair. But, you know, you just got to roll with it. It's just the way it is. Life so shit. should we talk about the second part of that question, which was how it was the idea of almost um, <laughs> limiting the power of a card by only allowing one copy of it in your deck. Or yeah, putting so, this restriction on a card so you can only play one copy of it. So not the legendary rarity that we've just mentioned, but the legendary um, card... The once per deck bit. Once per deck uh, restriction, which if you have a super powerful card, is that a viable way of re restricting the strength of the deck as a whole? Based on the information that we've got, one of them... We have absolutely no idea about what that power level means. Mm. And the other one is not that powerful. <laughs> so I re like the Soul Harvester is not that strong, right? Six costs, hits for six. If I hit someone... No, sorry. If I you banish up to six cards and you get plus one for everyone, that's pretty much universally the, the, the golden bit, isn't it, right? That's the bit that... Where it, it doesn't matter what happens because the next bit turns around and goes if you hit a hero you remove all the soul right which if you don't know what soul is i i probably recommend just go looking up on what soul does because i don't think we have too much time to describe what everything means but you lose health for every soul they lose so this card is pretty much going oh if you're light it has an additional damage bonus but the middle bit is the bit that it doesn't matter if you're fighting the light hero or not you know that's that's the kind of the strength that comes from mm. it so a six cox six, you know, hit for twelve, effectively yeah, potentially if, if it... deal eighteen. I think. Well, depending on how many cards they have in their soul. Yeah, um, but I, I I ignore the soul bit. That's the thing because the yeah. soul bit is so variable. So the mo realistically on average you're hitting for twelve. So a one off card, one in your deck, cost six, hit for twelve. Yeah. It's an interesting card because it's probably the first time we've seen, or maybe not the first time, but we've seen the bundling of two cards into one card, which traditionally is quite a strong thing to have. So we've got in there a red slogism, which is the plus six off the top mm. of my head, and kind of just a generic three cost deal six, right? Those well, you could slogism this. Potentially bundled. Yeah, you could also slogism. <laughs> the idea is you're getting those two similar effects you're only paying one card for it um you know obviously you'd still have to pitch the number so that that's a good thing but those two cards aren't necessarily great uh, it's not something you see in brute necessarily and it's are there just other ways for brute to kill you without all this rigmarole of pitching six uh, and having six cards in the grave that they can then uh banish to do so which is also then going to deal you a bunch of damage if you don't discard something with Levia's ability so it's very much an all or nothing type, type deal uh, and I think you can lead into this card using another card that has been announced to make it deal even more damage but I think we're starting to get to the point of you know if we're designing the perfect hand that's fantastic if you can pull that up in a game yeah. that's fantastic but how many times are you actually going to be able to do that in a competitive game you know you do it once and you feel great about it but it's not a possibly not a strategy and also we just don't know all the cards it's very difficult to say it is i think it's in terms of like um in terms of limiting cards so my background is i play a lot of hearthstone and, and obviously in hearthstone you have legendary cards which you can play one of instead of two of 
And I just f always found them very frustrating, but that was because Hearthstone is a game where you draw one card per turn. So yeah. I'm not so bothered about it in Flesh and Blood because you draw four, uh, potentially more, if you get a five intellect hero every turn. Um, and you nearly always draw four cards a turn if you're playing the game uh, well. So I, I'm not as bothered by it, uh, but I think it needs to be used sparingly. I'm slightly worried that we've seen three cards yeah. that do it already. That's slightly worrying to me. I would like to see maybe one or two cards. Although if that's, if that's a thematic choice for that hero and the power level of that hero, then that could, in my opinion, could work. On a, on a tangent... On a slight... Sorry, I'll go on. No, I, I was just going to say, on a tangent, and I know Hamish uh, and I have spoken about this before, um, how awesome is it to see a female character, both powerful and grotesque, not the usual Dorinthia or Dash-style female character that is uh, typically attractive, but something that is just powerful uh, and and... Awesome. monstrous monstrous yeah yeah it's the, these things are reserved for them for the it's and the males right that you know this this if if you imagine something just just transforms and it's evil and it's and it, and it rips and tears and all this stuff you know think doom it's a very male eccentric you know power it's power isn't it power, power and, and might absolute and usually, in in historically, um, yeah, when when people are creating stuff, that is reserved to the to a, an it or a male thing, right? Because it's power and might and strength and and all that sort of stuff. And to see that come out is a woman, right? And, and and she looks just absolutely awesome. It's Cthulhu, -y, you know. Her armor is it's it's still a woman, right? It's still got this it's still got the the silhouette oh i don't know um, we're a feminine three, form three white with we're, we're probably mansplaining and someone's going to be sitting there going oh, what the hell? anyway but you know putting all this liberal with hippie wafty shit aside it, it, it's clearly you know um you know a woman that has just been you know she's been demonic it's so I literally look at this and I actually just think, oh my god, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And I'm usually the edge lord dude that, you know, I love Viserai, I love brute. Clearly, you know, I, I want to see this power hungry stuff, and 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 she's in that boat. And it just suddenly just struck to me that I just thought, I just don't see this. I don't see a woman becoming this edge lord esque style of play as you can probably tell the whiskey's hitting in so I'm, <laughs> I'm going it's in gone. I'm, I'm coming in strong <laughs> but no i just suddenly just thought oh my god i just didn't realize how much this how maybe this does happen maybe more than we think but it doesn't happen enough and it's really cool to see this so yeah and i i really like the darker turn that the the newest set has taken in terms of the places that they're willing to go in terms of the art style and the story i mean the story itself is horrific in terms of what's going on and i and i love that that they've gone in this direction and you know you've you've got this angelic light side on one hand and also this very dark demonic side which is really really interesting the, that conflict is you know a very classic conflict but they're really going for it they're not holding back they've not shied art. away they've yeah. yeah they've commissioned some amazing artists to make some absolutely fantastic art for this game and it always comes up in conversation people were saying 
you know what got you into flesh and blood and people it's the art is bringing people into this game because they're looking at it and saying damn that looks absolutely amazing i want to own that on a card yeah uh, it's and, visceral, and, you know, maybe it? i'll play with it later but like it's cool to have that and you know we've seen the playmats as well they look fantastic and it's a real asset to this game just how great everything looks the art style so yeah, it's stuff it's stuff like mangle right sorry to keep on to this topic but it's stuff like mangle i mean like my brother was looking at bravo and he was like bravo just looks like gaston from beating the beast and i was like i know right he doesn't he doesn't look exactly imposing but then you look into the cards and you see mangle and the what's the other one that just banishes five cards uh it, it basically hits this dude with a hammer and he hits him in half <laughs> righteous cleansing you know, no, um, yeah that's yeah, it yeah. you just see these cards and you're like oh my god and snag yeah. he's dragging a guy with his skull yeah he's got his <laughs> eye eyeball oh, like a hook in his eye it's amazing it's it's a very visceral experience this is and i think that it's like you were saying it's not just like good and it's good and bad it's it's good and, the, mm. and why are these guys bad you know even the good is got to do some dirty stuff to get to to get the job done and yeah the bad and the bad is gonna show off why it's bad it is well, not yeah. nice we're not gonna get too into the law but you know the, the but i think we should the, the evil <laughs> the demon Astery, uh was like was founded by someone who originated from solana so like the do you call it demonastery? So yeah, I call I it the demonastery. I always call it demonastery, and I'm going to stick with it because I've we? already made like I three... call it the demonastery. I've made it yeah. three videos now where I've called it that, so I have to commit. To <laughs> I haven't listened to them. And this... uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm all in on demonastery. Demonastery, um, yeah. So but yeah, uh, probably, there's, there's obviously they're obviously building up to this. You know, is Solana is good as it looks and probably not and is the are the bad guys as bad as they look not sure it's, especially this array it's that, it's that mitchell and webb look meme this. isn't it are we the yeah. bad guys <laughs> 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 i think i think all this talk about how visceral things have gone unless there's anyone is there any other points we want to go on about first edition because i think this is a really good way segue into uh, showcasing how uh, amazing um dan tripp's uh, youtube videos are about describing the lore of this game um if any if is there anything else anyone's got to say nope let's listen to me <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what we're gonna do dan tripp's got a youtube clip uh, we're gonna uh, put we're gonna put a link up in the um in the uh, comments or whatever the hell you're gonna probably listen to this stuff there'll be a link and um yeah here's an excerpt of dan tripp's um latest uh sort of addition to the to live to levi's is it levi's levia uh, we're going with levia levia sorry so levia's storyline and here's a small excerpt of what that is thunder erupted in the room doors slammed shut they had taken a bite from the depths of hell and now they were cursed to burn curtains slid back and the noble stood there ready to watch the scene below a droning noise of sheer brutality filled the room, and the servants fell. Blood ran on the walls, and their bodies began to dissolve. Their very bones burnt, that stinking smell of it filling the room, that acrid scent filling Levia's nostrils and throat. Levia knew what she had to do, even as her own skin began to melt. She enacted her rituals and fell upon the nearest body filling her mouth with raw meat. 
through the gore and mist, she saw a dark creature with a gaping maw of a hundred massive fangs. The creature came for her, but she dodged its claws attacks. She had this newfound flexibility and agility. And then she attacked the beast herself and she tore at it and she felt its flesh tear. She now had talons where her hands had once been, claws that could cut through flesh. And she saw black blood spill forth from the cuts that she herself had inflicted on this dark beast. She leapt back and landed on the marble floor and it cracked beneath her weight and power. The bloodlust faded and she looked down at her left hand where the dull eyes of Lady Barthamot sat in her disembodied head. She was free from her master's control, but where did this newfound strength come from and who did she now owe for its use? Boom. <laughs> Brilliant. Clap. Um, Mate, this is going great. I so, tell you what, we should be drinking every single time. <laughs> Talking about bringing people into the game, here's yeah. an interview I've had with a collector from our own local community about how he got into collecting the game. Oh, okay. So uh, what was his name? What does he do? So I've had a chat with um, James, otherwise known as Withered Pixel on Discord. And uh, he's been very kind to come and speak to me about how he got into collecting flesh and blood and what is it that that really sparks that uh, desire for collecting the game brilliant let's let's have a listen let's hear it so just a quick thing um unfortunately there was some audio issues when uh, simon did his interview with uh, james um, so I had to put on a little bit of my uh, editing with magic. So if it sounds a little bit thing me, um, it's because there was a unfortunately there was some audio issues. But the whole point of it is still really valid. So I hope you enjoy it regardless. So welcome everybody to our first interview on Push the Point podcast. Today we're speaking to a collector and investor in the game based in the UK. He's been an active member of the community in the UK Discord. Today I have with me James, otherwise known as Withered Pixel. Nice to have you here today, James, and thanks for agreeing to have a chat with us. Yeah, it's all right. Good to be on here. Um, yeah, I think the Discord, if people really want to get into sort of flesh and blood, Discord's definitely a good way to go. Yeah, I think it's been a really active community so far, and it's great to see people from all different backgrounds conversing and talking you know, getting through all sorts of different ideas. It's been a really good community to be a part of in the rising popularity of the game. So thanks again for being here today. Uh, I've got some questions for you, if that's okay, based around your collecting and investing. Yeah, sure, that sounds good. So give me an introduction, if you would. Uh, how did you get into the game of Flesh and Blood? Um, so I think it was probably about October time, actually before even then. Um, when Rudy from Alpha Investment first started doing his videos about Flesh and Blood. Um, I sort of watched a few of them. Obviously, he was mainly Magic. I did play a bit of uh, like Magic Arena, and um, obviously before that, as Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! as a kid. Um, I was looking into just investing sort of money into different things anyway at that time. Uh, I remember his first video where he was talking about Welcome to Wraith and like cold foils and Oh, it's from New Zealand, all this stuff. And I was watching it and just thinking like, ah, oh, like it's like a new game that he's sort of pushing. 
Um, I knew he wasn't an investor in it, but he wished he'd got into it. And I thought I thought it was really interesting. I really thought it was something um, that people could get behind. Um, and then I kind of just, as it is with most things, obviously you're just sitting there on your phone. So onto the next video, you're watching something else. I completely forgot about it. Yeah. Fast forward to October time. Um, I think Crucible of War had just come out in America and it was just about to come out um, in the UK. And I kind of fell back in love. Well, not fell back in love, but rediscovered uh, Flesh and Blood. Uh, I watched some like gameplay videos about people playing, obviously on the TTS and in real life. And by that time, there was a lot more content out there about the game, I'd imagine. Yeah, um, a lot more. Well, there's tons now. I think it was still kind of growing at that point. Um, yeah. But I think I literally just typed it into YouTube and watched everything I could to try and get a better understanding of how it plays, um, the product, everything. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it looked really good. And when Crucible War um, drops in the UK, I tried to, I think I bought a case, mm. uh, Crucible War, first edition. And I was always there like, oh, maybe I'll just hold on to it and sell it later sort of do the bad thing and flip it for easy profit and yeah. I kind of because I fell in love with the game I was there like I'm gonna hold on to it for a long time and just ride it out and then if say if in two years time it drops to nothing I'm probably just gonna open it just to see what I had in there and I've still got them sitting literally in the same room as me right now with a few other things and I don't ever really want to sell them now so now you've resisted the temptation to open them so far but I think as you've alluded to that shows a faith in the game and the growth of the game that you're in this for the long term oh yeah definitely um, I think it can be one of the sort of I wouldn't say it takes out one of the top three card games but I think it will join them and it will become one of the top four if you will um, I think the gameplay is really good. I think the collectible side of it is really good. Obviously, we've got investors. Um, I Obviously, I bought all my uh, Crucible of War stuff. I bought some hero decks. I bought a brick of hero decks as well. And then from there, I was kind of like, I actually really want to open some stuff. So I started buying unlimited products. I think I bought a case of Welcome to Wraith, a case of Arcane Rising. Um, and they've all been put into binders. So I'm starting to collect now unlimited products. Um, probably with first edition, I'll just keep it sealed because sealed yeah. always goes up in value. And I know we've seen you on Twitch at a few of the case breaks, for example, from Kingdom Games. And that seems to be a good way for the collectors to get some of the higher value cards. Yeah, I think if you want anything sort of specific or you can trade what you need to, um, I think I've got most of my legendaries that way and uh, a lot of the mythics. I got myself a, a rainbow foil Kwan and Conquer through that, so I was actually really chuffed with that. So with all of that in mind then, James, what do you consider to be a success? What is the benchmark for success when it comes to investing in a card game like Flesh and Blood? Um, I think something that looks longevity-wise. So if you've got huge amounts of investment, huge amounts of collectability, but then no one's really playing the game, then you're kind of the, it, I, you kind of have that with Pokemon really, but then you do have the other side of it where people do play the game, like the actual card game. Yeah. Um, I think as long as we have like a healthy, uh, like competitive scene with investors and the collectability 
stays where it is, um, I think this game's going to be really successful. What is your favourite aspect of Flesh and Blood so far? Um, I really like the lore. I know it's really hard to get a hold of a lore book to actually be able to sit down and read it. I know mm. there's like the articles on the website. Um, I can't remember who links it into the Discord, um, but someone had a PDF version. I think I sat down and read the whole thing in like an hour, and then I think I've read it probably about two more times. It's actually an incredibly well put together book, and I would just say that at this point, the PDF has been not quite sanctioned by LSS, but people have been given permission to share within the community for personal reading rather than financial gain, while the local game stores are closed in COVID-affected regions. I'll just pop that in there as a disclaimer. But it is an incredible book. So we've talked quite a lot there about the game itself. Do you play the game? Have you considered playing the game uh, with your collector investor hat on? <laughs> um, well, obviously I said I was uh, collecting, so I'm trying to get a playset of everything with uh, two regulars and then a rainbow foil version, which seems really like a good idea, but it's turning out to be very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> with that, um, I played on uh, the TTS, uh, the felt tabletop um, AI version as well. Uh, I definitely probably will be playing in person. I'm trying to get my hands on some Ira decks to open um, to probably teach some friends how to play as well. So, okay. uh, playing is definitely in my future at this point. That's amazing to hear, thank you. And uh, I would probably say I'm the opposite to you, having come in as a player, and I've got more into the collecting side than I thought I would. I thought I was just going to be playing and, and buying the cards I need for the decks and to play the decks that I liked. But actually, as soon as I opened that first box, which was um, Arcane Rising first edition back in August last year, I knew that I wanted to collect every single card and have three of each card to make those full play sets and have them in the binder. And it snowballed from there. I think we're probably on a similar level now in terms of uh, you know wanting to collect and play. But it's great to hear from you that your collecting then got you into the play side of the game. And I think maybe when the community hear about investors, they don't necessarily see that side of things. Uh, but I think it does draw people into the game. Well, I think... Um... I think people hear investors and they more think about flipping. Just you're buying a product at, was it, say, Monarch first editions and selling it at £70. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just sticking it straight on eBay at I don't know, 300 and then just waiting for someone because someone will get desperate and buy it. Whilst, I mean, the allocations have just been ridiculous for uh, Monarch, I think, because everyone wants it so much that I'm only getting two boxes quite a lot. So. But I'm then like even if even if I got one box, that box is just gonna sit there getting some value, but I'm gonna be buying as probably three cases of unlimited. So I'm And that's all <laughs> gonna be opened. Yeah, oh yeah, there isn't gonna be a single thing. Anything unlimited in my house is getting opened. There's no stopping me really. I think that's an important point. Um I don't think while the word unlimited is attached to those sets, they're not truly unlimited. There will be a time when they stop printing them, but I don't think there is much financial incentive to keep them sealed right now. 
Um, I don't think at the moment, no. Uh, everyone keeps trying to predict when they're going to stop. I don't think they will just because it's such an easy like jumping point for new players. Um, maybe three years from now, but then again, we'll have a lot of new sets coming out by then. So, I don't know. I know that when I finish uh, my Welcome to Wraith one, I think all I need is a few legendaries and the hearts um, left. Yeah. I already said, like, once I buy my hearts, um, I'll be buying another case to then put away. Yeah, that's interesting. Just, um, just so you can have them and complete the set of cases and boxes. Okay, so one last question, just before we finish off, if that's okay. Just a snap question for you. Do you think first edition is good for the game? Uh, yes, I think it obviously it will help not even flesh and blood but legend story studios grow as in i know it's a small company with um i think in, in interviews it said it was like uh, james took money and investments from family and friends yeah there's no outside investment yeah yeah which i thought that was the one issue that i was there like oh my god like someone's gonna do like some kind of takeover and then it's gonna be ruined um i think it's probably the best thing that they've really thought of because it brings in collectors, investors. I know players that have just been there like, I want my cold foils and I'll do anything to get them. Like they pull a heart, an unlimited heart, and they will just sell it straight away because they want some, like one piece of equipment in cold foil. So I think the first editions will always have value. Um, people will always, they'll always be sought after, essentially. And even unlimited, I think when uh, say like Welcome to Wraith stops being printed, that's even going to be sort of sought after the unlimited version anyway. I think first editions will always be something that stays, and I think people will always want them. That's why I've invested in. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, my personal opinion is that as a player first, when you pull some of these nice cards, you want to offload them, you want to get your money back for the case that you've just splashed out on. If there weren't collectors. Uh, I'm not sure there would be as big a market for those cards to then help you reinvest your money back in the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What was that? Cold Foil Hearts now £40,000. Yeah. I remember <laughs> hearing stories of people saying that they sold theirs for $200. So. Yeah, and they were going pretty cheap back in April, May last year, which is crazy to think now, but um, this game has exploded in popularity on all three fronts, collecting, the playing, and the investing. And I think it's just, uh, you know, it's just great to be a part of this from early doors. Definitely think Flesh and, uh, Flesh and Blood's here to stay. I've got my fingers crossed and uh, I've got faith in the game as well. And it, it sounds like you have too. James, I just really want to say thank you for your time and for coming and having a chat with me. I think it's great to get an insight into different mindsets within our community. And uh, I've been so impressed with the community so far and how welcoming everyone has been to new members. So a big thank you from me. Um, is there anything you want to say before we finish up? Uh, no, I'm just, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, check out the Discord if there are anyone who's looking for a good community place to talk to people, ask questions, everything. Um, there are some really lovely people there. It's, I think it was the, within the first week, it was the first place I went to find out more about Flesh and Blood, so hit up the Discord. That's really awesome to hear, and uh, thank you again, James, and we'll speak again soon. Thank you. I think we need to make a slight rule which I hope you're all happy with. We need to drink when we're doing this. Not heavily. No, I think a beer is a always beer. a good idea. It loosens yeah, the tongue. Have something. Maybe not whiskey. 
might be a bit much. That JD Honey oh, is quite. Cool. Um, the other one I quite like is the Jim Beam Black Cherry one. That's quite nice. What? Yeah, have you had oh, the Black Cherry Jim Beam? Yeah, it's quite nice. Um, okay. Anyway, um, welcome so, back, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. back to Push the Point Podcast Part Two. <laughs> Post interview. Uh, is this a part two? We're Post interview. Oh, Push the point podcast. Post interview. Um, so, so yeah. again, thanks to James for taking the time there. And I actually reached out to other members of our community on the Discord. And uh, we had we had four questions that I was keen to ask. Uh, people who consider themselves collectors primarily, maybe players second. And we had mm. a couple of people get in touch. And... Uh, it, again it's a testament to our community that people are happy to come and chat about these things um so the first question we asked was how did you hear about or how did you get into flesh and blood and uh we had a couple of varied answers uh, a community member called biffer got in touch and said actually alpha investments on youtube was the way mm. he he got into the game and um tried to find some boxes online in the UK and and actually Adam from Kingdom Gaming was the first person to uh, pop up and sell a box before Kingdom Gaming existed and uh, was the way this person got into the game which I think again is testament to the, the community and the roots of the community um, another person who got involved is Cheeky on the Discord Oh, um, we got a biffer and a cheeky. A biffer and a cheeky. Um, <laughs> cheeky biffer. <laughs> and you will, you will have, you will have seen these people on the Discord. They are active members of the community, and um, cheeky answered that actually they were looking for Yu-Gi-Oh cards, so they're into involved in another TCG. Um, he specifically remembers that it was a Blood Rose Dragon he was looking for, and stumbled across uh, Flesh and Blood. And the I was going artwork, to say, what went wrong? He yeah. was looking for Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> and the artwork, believe it or not, we've already spoken about the stunning artwork. The artwork drew, drew them in, and they were absolutely hooked. Uh, the the chase for the Diablo loot style equipment cards and the the rarity. Once they were in, that was it. They were they were in. Um. Second question we asked was, what would you consider to be a success when it comes to investing in a card game, specifically Flesh and Blood? Um, and generally, people looking at uh, slowly appreciating card values, um, getting back the money they've paid for it, paying off investments previously, uh, and maybe paying for nice things in the future, making sure um, they can afford future sets. Um, and one thing that specifically was mentioned was nostalgia and actually maybe looking back on your collection in 10 years time and having that nostalgia mm. about how you got involved and how you came to be involved in the game. Um, yeah, that's I, interesting. I think that, that even speaks to even the unlimited sets. I think so. Yeah, there's something about having a, a collection and knowing that you're going to be able to keep that and, you know, in 10 years down the line, you'll be able to look back and remember what, what you were into at that time and what you were playing especially if you move from game to game to game it's nice to have something to remember what why you got into a flesh and blood in the first place and some of those original cards you know we, we're going to see I, I imagine we're going to see power creep in the game at some point and looking back at some of those original cards like even something like drone of brutality 
is already a bit nostalgic because you can't play it anymore and you look at it and mm. you're like oh remember remember the good old drone days and <laughs> you know they're long gone now over three weeks or whatever that's been banned for um and yeah so that, that's a really interesting point from them so mm. big question to finish off the, the episode today um is first edition as it stands good for the game of flesh and blood i think that we probably what would how would you feel if we sum this up in a very very quick response and then leave the real in-depth stuff for the community yeah if they want to answer and then we'll come follow it and we'll do a little bit of a follow-up in the next episode absolutely agree this is a snap question give me a couple of sentences to finish it off okay trip <laughs> oh thanks no, give yourself five minutes to think about it I sat there and thought I forgot the question <laughs> so I thought I can give two sentences so first sentence is you could never take first edition away from the game and my second sentence is first edition is good for creating hype around the game mm, nice okay okay um I think first edition is good because it creates again um, interest in the game overall. And my second sentence is, I suppose really this very much appeals to the ethos of the secondary market, so it it does hit that target for LSS. I suppose. I think it's good, but you have to. Uh, I suppose it depends on where you are as a person in your area, really. So my final thoughts on this question are collectors and players are more intertwined than we would like to think. And Mm. if there was no secondary market in the game, players would have less money to reinvest in the game they love. That has very true. That's a good soundbite, that one. Oh, man. I feel like I should just edit out mine and Tripp's bit and just... Hey, what? I I had to come up with mine on the spot. You had time to think about it. You you sat there, you had that script. (laughs) Don't give me that wink. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Wow. How profound. I have to say... yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I sold some coal foils, and that's the reason I can get the money to buy first edition. The game has brought the game. Yeah. How weird. Yeah. Well, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please let us know what you think about whether you think first edition is good for the game, because we'd really like to take some of your questions and your some of ideas and use that to talk about in future episodes. So either just message us on discord or just reach out to us however you like uh and we'll use that for a future podcast idea that'd be fantastic we say this because we <laughs> i don't think we've got a facebook page set up we've got yeah. a gmail it's coming just whatsapp us <laughs> uh, so we do have a gmail so send us, send us a message by pigeon right yeah. <laughs> you can find we us will... at push the point podcast at gmail.com Oh, wow, we do have a Gmail. Okay. We do. Wow. Say that again. So Say that again, Simon. Push the point podcast at gmail.com. Wow. Oh, yeah. We can cut that out and just throw it around the podcast in various places. Push so the point. Don't forget <laughs> our... uh, we also have a YouTube page, which is where we'll be posting this podcast 
in its very first edition. Yeah, and if we and if it goes out quite well, we'll actually pay money into <laughs> putting this on Spotify. Who knows? Anyway, thank you so much, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed your time. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Bye.